Welcome to The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. On The Purposeful Project podcast, we share real-life stories from some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. We like to think our podcast will provide mentorship to those that need it and give you access to the knowledge you need to start and scale a business. To hear these incredible stories, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts or you can simply visit purposefulproject.com. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you and thanks for having me. No, it's, a, it's an honour and I, I was reading about all the things that you've done and achieved and I was, I'm blown away. But would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and, and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm Adam Kamani. Um, I was um, the co-founder of prettylittlething.com. Um, from there, I now moved away from fashion. I set up a property company called Kamani Property Group um, and also an investment fund called KM Capital. But more recently, that's still ongoing. More recently, I've set up a new app called Move Streets, uh, which we're really pushing hard. And that's a property app. Uh, it's a new portal, instant, uh, sexy, fun, a bit like the dating apps. Um, so we really want to challenge and change the way people view property. Uh, and that's my mission. Fascinating. And how did you get into the new venture? How did it? How did you end up? I guess it's quite an interesting track record from prettylittlething.com to like then having an investment business and then now move streets. How, how did that happen? What was the steps? Um, so, yeah, I think um, obviously I was kind of involved with property and I've got my own property company. And you look at all the industries uh, over time and they've all moved with tech and social and all these other things. Um, we've been Property, the way we search for property is still very much the same as it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And it's not really moved with time, uh, not purely because there's two monopolies in the market. Um, and we thought, okay, how can we, it's actually my wife's idea. She said to me on the sofa one day, hey, what about this idea? And at first I was like, oh no, like, I just shunned it off in, in, in the back of my head. And then that night I couldn't sleep and it was on my mind. I was like, it's actually, she's actually onto something there. Um, so about 18 months ago, we started exploring the idea, um, started meeting web developers, app developers, all sorts of things, getting ideas together. And it was about a year of like process of kind of design and everything. Uh, and then, yeah, back in August, we kind of did our soft launch, which is, which is going great. Um, so yeah, we just thought there's a real need for someone to change the way we view for property like you did for, like you do for booking a taxi, you now use Uber. Airbnb, um, dating apps. Um, why can't that be the same in the way we search a property? It makes life so much easier for the customer and also the agent. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do. I think it's very interesting, the process you went through there. A lot of our listeners want to start businesses. It's, it, 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 as someone that's done so many things, as you have done, when you first hear this idea and you brush it away, what do you think that is? Is it What, what, what makes you initially brush it away and then that night can't sleep? What is that nuance? Um, Good question. I think you kind of hear this idea and then you kind of push it away because you don't really, you're not really thought about it too much. So initially you're like, oh, whatever. And then you kind of, kind of I don't know, it's just something on your mind that is like, okay, let me think about this a bit more. If I wanted to do this, how does that look? And straight away, like when I couldn't sleep that night, it wasn't a case of, okay, I know how this would look. It was a case of wake up in the morning and let's see how it could potentially look and how we could make it look and what's required to do that. Is a case of making phone calls to app developers, speaking to my wife, getting creative ideas, thinking of a logo, a brand name, all those things. So it's a combination of things, really. Um, and then when you can kind of piece it all together, you kind of get everyone in a room and kind of say, right, this is the idea. How does this work and how does it make, how does something like that develop? Then 
Um, and if you get told no, a lot of people will just say, okay, no, that's it. Like, accept the word no. What we like to do is say, okay, why not? What's another solution to overcome that no? Uh, and then you start finding out that there's more avenues of just, there's more ways of carving up that business instead of just what you thought it was. Um, and ideas get shared and before you know it, you're building a business, which is exciting. Was the first key hire the programmer side? What was the, you know, when you want to make something like this happen, what, what, what do you have to do? Sorry, say that again. What was your first key hire? Was, was, it, was it a programmer? How, how, did you, how did you, what was the first steps you made from a team building perspective? So obviously my wife and I kind of sat down and said, right, okay, this is what, it, what we want it to be. Um, how do we do that? So for my first point of call was speaking to, well, obviously we were app-based, we want to be an app. So speaking to an app developer, we made a call to an app developer saying, this is what we want to do. Is this possible? Um, so I think once we knew that was possible, it was a case of then supporting that team with other people that could then do other stuff around it to make all of the pieces put together. Um, so I think the first call was speaking to an app developer, really. Mm. And now with this business, I mean, in general for yourself too, with so much success uh, behind you, what, what is success for you going forward? Um, a lot of people ask me this, and I don't think you're ever... There's all, you always want more, I, I suppose. People always want more. I think when you get uh, a taste of doing well with a business, you always think, okay, why can't we do, we can do a bit more now? Like you get, you get that drive, you get that hunger to want to do more. So I don't think it ever, that hunger for success ever stops. And success could be many things. It could be the happiness of the team, the way the business is developing. Monetary could be part of it. Um, there's a combination of factors uh, when you come to success. It, it all depends on the individual and what they want to achieve. Like if you're going to go and do humanitarian work, success for you is making that change happen. For me, success in this in this app is more trying to really muscle in on the big boys and trying to, okay, this worked. We made people change the way they view property, and that there's that uh, excitement of trying to do that, chasing chasing that goal all the time and having a, a blocks coming your way and just trying to open them up. I think there's there's lots of challenges to it, and it, that makes all of it the success, I suppose. Mm. Now, um, looking at your CV, again, I'm just kind of mind blown, um, but you're, you're still the CEO of KM Capital. So how do the two work together, being a CEO, I guess, of two structures? And, and, and today, KM Capital, how, how do you make investments? What's the, what's the model there? So, yeah, so it was, I was on a flight with my father uh, a while ago, a few years ago, and uh, it was basically a conversation that there was lots of companies wanting our investment. I was like, oh, I'd love to, obviously because of the family and what we've done. And it was like, we've not got time for this, we've not got time for this, we've not got time for that, we can't really do it. And then we were on a flight one day and someone came to me on LinkedIn or Instagram or something saying, really want to invest, really want you guys to invest, look to be a mentor or listener. And it was, it, was, it, was one, it was one of many that came through, just kind of, it was, that message came in at the right time as I was having this conversation with my father. And it was a case of like, you know what, there's so many people we could help they could benefit of us, we could benefit of them. It's a mutual thing. Why can't we do it? And it's a case of, okay, have we got the time to do it? And uh, yeah, it was kind of like, okay, I'll give it a go. Let's, let's give it a go. Um, so it's kind of really juggling your time. And we've got, again, we've got a team of people around us. So the first initial stage when people send their decks in for investment, it doesn't come to me, it goes to a team of people. They do all the due diligence, research, have the initial conversations. There's a kind of a process that goes through. One, if they get through the process, I'll meet them. Um, and then from there, we'll make the call if we're going to invest or not. 
lot of Lot of, that. Yeah. Sorry, but a lot of people out there are um, you know, want investment. There's, there, I think probably our biggest request is on this podcast show is is knowledge on how to how to raise money, and I think you know from from an investor perspective, what are you looking for when when someone approaches you? What 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 are the triggers that make you want to? I invest always say, I always say to everyone when someone comes to the door, it's about obviously depending on the product or what their services they want investment is. Is it destructive? Can it, can it be worldwide? What can we do with it? That's one thing. But I think the most important thing is the person behind the business, the person who's going to run the business. Because as investors, a lot of people come for mentorship or say, oh, I love you as investors. And that's all great, but we're not going to run that business. We're just going to guide you and help you and give you advice and open our network up to you. Um, so there's, a lot, there's lots of cases where I've met great businesses, but the person behind that business who's pitching isn't, we, we feel we can't work with them or they, we just feel like it's not going to be a match. So we, we turn away those uh, businesses. Um, there's other times where we've got, listen, we've got some fantastic businesses on the books, um, but it's more really behind the person, how well they know their business, how well they know their competitors, how well they know their customers, and do they really understand what they need to do in the financials in terms of managing that money? Because it's all good raising a million quid, two million quid. If you're going to piss it down the drain in six months, as an investor, you want to know where that money is going and how you're going to get a return on that. Um, so it's a combination thing, but I think it's really about the person behind behind the business. Well said. I think um, that's something a lot of people do sometimes forget to put themselves as part of the value proposition and, and busy talking about the gap they're filling or the the business model itself. And and yeah, I, I, I what, I, what I would say to you, the listeners listening, because a lot of people probably think, oh shit, like I don't know all these things. And that's, that's also okay. Like, you don't need to know all the answers. But what I would say, if you're going to come in a meeting with me and, and pitch, I don't know, selling a new, I don't know, a new jam, for example, yeah? And the person after you is also going to come in and pitch a new jam. You don't know that, yeah? Because you don't know my, my next meeting. You've got to make sure you're better than that other person. So are you fully prepared and do you... Can you put your heart on your sleeve and show your ambition, show your care, show you know really about that industry? And if you don't know all the right answers, it's not a problem. We just want to see that drive and that ambition and that you do have some understanding and can work with us and want to learn with us to make that happen. So just making sure you're the best person, best version of yourself before you come to that meeting and no one else who comes in before or after you is better than you. Very good bit of advice. I agree. It's, uh, people have to be more competitive and understand yeah. that, that dynamic. How did um, how did you end up being this driven? I know um, for my listeners that don't perhaps know, you know, you've got a, an entrepreneurial family. Do you think that's that's what's driven you to this point yeah, today? I, yeah, I think in that sense, I've been given a head start. Um, like growing up with my grandparents, my dad, my uncles, all very business driven. Uh, obviously, since we were, it was eighteen of us in one house that lived together, um, so they were always out at work. We were only little kids at school and they'd come back. We'd come back from school, they wouldn't be home. We'd wake up, from, go to school, they wouldn't be home. They'd be out already. Um, so you will not see them till like nine o'clock at night. Sometimes you will not see them because they're out on the road. Um, and then just the conversations around the dinner, dinner table is always business, business, business. So I think it just kind of naturally then gets drilled into you. Okay, you start thinking a certain way because you hear it so much when you're little. It's like a parent, anyone. I'm not a parent myself, so I might not be uh, the best person to say this, but you teach a child something and you keep feeling in, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. So eventually in the head, they can't do that. 
the same on the dinner table talking about business, 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 business. In your head, all the, you just start naturally thinking, oh, you start thinking a certain way. Uh, so in that sense, I have been given a head start. Um, so yeah, that just really being surrounded by uh, my family, which are the best teachers I could have had. So do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? I mean, do you, do you think your natural instinct would be an entrepreneur? Uh, I don't think you can never not be an entrepreneur. It depends. It's hard. It, you want, you've got to have certain aspects about you. You've got to have that drive, that passion, that forward thinking. Uh, if you've got those three things, then you've got every shot to be an entrepreneur. Um, also, you've got to be vocal. You've got to be, you've got to be, you can't be afraid to say what you want to say. That's part of the, that's part of it as well. A lot of people are nervous to say something and think, oh, they're going to offend someone or that was the wrong answer. Like, there's no right or wrong answer in, in this world. It's just a case of, that's your thoughts. How do I get there? Does it work? And will it work? And you try it. Some people win with that way. Some people will learn a very big lesson and say, oh, it didn't work. But you'll learn so many lessons on the way of doing that. And then the next time you go, you're so much more equipped. Well said. My wife is actually very shy. And so she, she was very smart. We got into business get together 20 years ago because she's, she's actually the brains and I'm the talker. So that's another way to do it is, uh, you know, get, get someone on your team who can explain it and sell it for you as a co-founder, perhaps, uh, which is what my wife did. She, she's the brains. And then she told me what to say. So that's another way to get around your point, because I do think communication is very important. It's hugely important. And I uh, also what I would say to the listeners, again, is surround yourself with the right people. 100 percent. Like I might be the stern wheel, but the engine is the team behind me. If they don't do their job, I can't I can't move. I can't direct. Um, and it's so important. There's so many people you see. You see it with, with sports stars, whoever they may be, I won't drop names, but they've got such a good attitude in terms of what they want to do. But the people around them are telling them the wrong stuff or the wrong shit. And it's like, if you get badly influenced by someone or someone gives you the wrong decision, it affects so many more things. So you've got to really make sure you trust the people around you, build a close network of people around you and let them all support you and be all on the same page more than anything. Another great point. How do you hire people? How do you make sure that's the case when you're hiring people? Um, this is a good question because this is something my team laugh about uh, in the office. I let whoever, whichever department is, do the interview process. Um, I'm always the last person to do the final interview. Because I realised very quickly, we spend more time at the office. Well, maybe not so much now, but before COVID, we spent so more time at the office than you do with your families at home. So you want to make sure you've got a certain dynamic in the office. My dynamic in my office is quite laid back. I'm happy for people to be laid back, chilled, whatever, as long as the work gets done. They've got to be happy to come in. If you if you get them in the office and you bam, 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 and make it like a prison or make it like a boarding school or whatever like that. They're not going to be happy. You want them to be. We want them to be happy, and then they'll do more for you. Um, so I'm always very particular with who I hire. I look at the personality. I look at. I always look at personality more than skill. You can't teach personality. You can teach skill. Um, so personality is a big thing for me. Yeah, I always say um, I, I want to invest in people that have a sense of humour. You know, yes. Yeah. If you lose money, fine. But at least you had a bit of fun along the way. You know. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Underrated skill sense of humor but personality is such a good point do you think going forward now i mean of course you're doing something very innovative with moose streets but it's, it's all moving so fast the innovate innovation side do you feel like 
it's still possible to create something completely original or is it really just a copy of something else and making it better? Um, if you said this 10 years ago and you said you're going to do everything online, you think you're barking up the wrong tree. Maybe not 10 years, maybe 15, 20 years ago, you think you're barking up the wrong tree. So you just kind of see how behaviors change. Like social media came about and look how many, now businesses without social media don't really survive anymore. So the habits of the outside world changes so much. So you've always got to be listening to what your customers say, what they want, where they are, where, how they're shopping. If you look at all those things, always, you can, there's always new ideas come about. Like we, if we if, if, for example, this won't be the last business that's formed, New Streets. And it won't be the first one either. There'll be loads more that will come along and that will, that will depend on the idea and what's going on outside. Um, there's going to be so many more, there's going to be millions of more businesses that come about and there's going to be a million that will make it as well. So you can always be innovative and have new ideas and just get the balls to do it, really. It's so hard to have, saying that because people that haven't got financial, haven't got the financial privilege to do that. It's a lot to put a risk to leave your job and set up a new business. Um, so it, it takes a lot of balls. It does. But I do feel sorry for uh, people that um, can't really afford to take that risk. I know exactly what you mean. I, I actually have kind of a counterpoint, which is um, I've started 13 of my 18 businesses with no money. The most successful one was with no money because also it can it can bring you closer to the client. It can bring you closer to keeping an eye on the business, right? So, so I think there is something in actually starting a business with no money and, and actually having that challenge. And pl- plenty of businesses we know get well-funded don't make it. Um, and plenty of businesses that are kind of bootstrapping and fighting in the trenches do. And I think when you are bootstrapped like that, it makes you fight for it more. It makes you be so much more uh, careful with every penny you spend. Like you become so much more alert of the whole business around you. Like, fuck, I've not got this much money, so what can I do? And it really makes you drive a hard bargain, negotiate, like all these new skills that come about from really not having much support, drive it more with money. Really, you learn so many more things from it. And some people really pick it up easily and really thrive of that. Some people... Like you said, we'll just get swallowed up from it. So it's a fine balance, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think about you know what you're doing, and and you know if if you need money for a good idea, um, and but you've let's say you've got the money and you go ahead. Maybe you don't bring someone like you into their business, and with you in their business, you've got a more uh, insured chance of it being successful. So having no money means you seek outside support, which can be a great thing and validation for that matter. I mean, I've actually pitched my own businesses to people. I don't need money, but I've learned a lot by getting that feedback from people that know what they're talking about. It's, not all, it's not all about money. It's about smart money. Totally. Uh, it's about, okay, A and B can give you 100 grand each for your business, but A has no clue about your business and doesn't really have anything. But B, he's got a network of people that will really be able to support your business. So it's really about finding the right investor as well. I was really interested in your family dynamics you were talking about there because it makes me think of this kind of, I, I hate this f- phrase, but work-life balance. And as, as, you, as you get older, I guess, do you, do you um, for example, do you work with your wife? I mean, she's her, it's her idea, right? So just, yeah, yeah, we've got a record of that now, by the way. So when, it, when it's a billion-dollar company, we, we, we have to credit her completely. But how do you keep work-life balance? What, is, there, is there such a thing? Is it all, all bullshit? Um, in what aspects are you just like finding like your home life, keeping it separate from your work life? Or? Exactly. Do you think there is work life balance or, or not? Um, I don't know. It's hard because I don't see work as work. I see it as a hobby. So it doesn't like, obviously there's days where I stress you out or you want to pull each other's hair out or stuff like that. And you share ideas and you might not agree on the same idea. And it's like coming to a compromise. There's things like that that will happen. And obviously you talk about these things that work and on the way home, you might still be bickering about certain things. 
and that that's normal. I think that's the same with anyone that's going to have that uh, relationship with someone and have a work life with them. Um, I think we've kind of agreed when you get home, let's not speak about work unless there's something really pressing that needs to come up. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it can be done. A lot of people don't like to do it. I understand why. I know, like, for example, people in my office, they will, they couldn't work with the other half because they want to keep it two separate things. Also, it gives you something to talk about when you get home, like your day at work. Like me and my wife, we have the same, very, very similar day at work. Um, so, yeah, I think you can do it. It's just depends on the person you are. <laughs> yeah, I guess this podcast show is all about, you know, giving different ways you can do things. But I, I love working with my partner. I, yeah. I actually <clears throat> think, yes, you, you have something quite deep to talk about because you kind of understand what's happening in the office i think something gets lost if i go home and try and explain it yeah if, if my partner's actually been there you must have like a tele telepathy you know you can understand each other's um view on it and um i i love working with my partner i actually recommend it to people i mean you also like moving in with someone right you kind of find out about them when you work with them yeah, 100%, yeah. um some people don't like it and i respect that and i understand that some people like, I, I never really thought i would work so closely with Charlotte, I think I thought it would be quite, uh, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Um, and then when this idea came about, it's kind of like, oh, okay, we can maybe work together and see how this this goes. Do you take and on very different would... roles? Pardon? Do you take on very different roles? Is that the secret to, to working together? Is it? Yeah, so, yeah, so obviously because I've got other businesses, I kind of, my time's very much split in the office. So Charlotte very much focuses on move streets. I'll oversee it from another, another point of view. Charlotte will be very much more hands-on with it. Um, so I think having that dynamic works as well. Um, because I, not all day, every day I'm working on move streets, maybe half my day I'm working on move streets, the other half I'm working on my other stuff. It just varies. Every day is different, I suppose. Do you think, um, in any of your businesses, there's been kind of a lucky break moment? What do you think about luck? Um, everyone, you, everyone wants a bit of luck on the way. And that, yeah, the luck comes, um, but I don't think luck doesn't just come for those who just sit there and wait for it. You've got to really push and put yourself out there and you'll find that a door opens and that's your luck. Um, but that's, you can maybe say that's lucky or maybe say you create your own opportunity there. Um, but I don't think if you just sat at home saying, I want to do this, I want to do this, don't do anything with it and think one day it's just going to happen. I disagree with that. I think go put yourself out there, knock on a door. If it opens, great. If it doesn't open, right, move on to the next one. So, by putting yourself out there, you're creating your own look in that sense, I would say. So when you kind of had this idea, or your wife had this idea, and, and you kind of got on board and got excited about it, and you put it out there, was there a moment when you thought, right, yes, this is it, it's definitely going to work, or, or was there kind of moments where you had self-doubt about it as you were putting it out into the world? I think you can't help but maybe slightly self-doubt yourself sometimes, because you think, okay, I really put my balls on the line, like everything, I've, everything thankfully I've touched has, been, has worked. So I'm really putting myself here to, like, I'm setting myself up to fail in some sense because if it doesn't work now, then I look like a failure. Like, I'm, do you know what I mean? So uh, I've, in that sense, I've got more to lose. So it's kind of like, fuck this, I'm just going to go, we're going to go all in on this and just fucking give it a go. Um, and I think when we initially, before we actually launched, we started speaking to agents and stuff like that and did a bit of market research and so many people were like, thankfully, someone's trying to compete with the big boys. And if anyone can do it, you guys can do it. Um, so that gave us a lot of uh, excitement and encouragement to kind of say, that, okay, we've got people that are on board with us here. Let's give it a go. I think you're touching on something there that is really fascinating. And I appreciate you bringing it up, which is when you've had success 
Like I, I, um, I invested in the guys behind Rotten Tomatoes, and, and pa- Patrick Lee, who's one of the uh, co-founders of it, he, um, he was on my podcast show talking about how he built Rotten Tomatoes and, and, and all of that. And then he did five startups after that that were all not very successful. Yeah. And kind of like if he just stopped at Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, they sold it for 110 million or something, you know, like he, he probably wouldn't even set up. But he, you know, the fact that he went again and again and again, in a way, like you're talking about there, and you've got such an incredible track record. I mean, pretty little things and all the things you've done, you know, like it, it, it's kind of scary, isn't it, to put yourself back out there again? I think everyone has that at a certain level, at a certain age, with a certain amount of success. So, so what, what makes you just go for it? What is that? Uh, what is that thing you've got? My age, is, my age is one thing. I'm still young. I'm only 31. I'm 32 this year. So I've still got my life ahead of me. So I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to just sit here for the rest of my life and do nothing. I want to do something. I want to do more. Uh, I think when you get a taste of a bit of success, you want, like you said, you want, you kind of fire for more and look for more and want to do better the next time because you've got so much experience from the previous time. So you now know you can take all that experience that you didn't have initially into that and add, add to that and do more. Um, sorry, I forgot what the, what the question was. I was just rambling on then. No, no, you're, you're talking about the process that you go through to kind of accept risk, I think. That's that's my interpretation of what you're talking about here. Well, yeah, if you just say, if you stay in the safe lane all the time, you're just going to be in the middle. You're never really going to make a difference, are you? So mm. I think, and like I said, it's just having the balls and having the encouragement and the excitement and, Again, like you said, it's, it's that doubt that you have. Maybe shit, this could fail. Um, and if it does, you give yourself a bit of a slap in the face and give reality check, and you will look onto the next thing. Um, not every business that I'll ever touch will always be successful. I hope it is, but reality is, no way, no way limited on where to start. I think this business is definitely my mission for the next couple of years. I don't see myself starting up a new business myself. Probably investing in other businesses, yes. We're actually winning my own business. I don't think I'll set up another one for a while because I want to concentrate on this and get this really focused and well. For those that don't know Move Street, we'll put the links down below. People can go explore it. But what do you think is the completely unique thing about that model? Well, if you look, again, I won't drop all the brand's name, but if you, we all know what, if you're looking for a house, you go to, there's two websites you go to. Um, and they're the monopoly of the market. The way you look, you kind of scroll, you t- send them an email, go back. Scroll again, send them an email, go back, scroll, send an email, go back, or call them, whatever it is. Just to book 10 properties, it's like maybe 100, 100 touch points, 120 touch points. And with the generation come through now and we're all getting accustomed to it, it's this instant gratification. Uber, Airbnb, Tinder, all these other brands that are just instant. You can just do something, deliver and it's there straight away we saw that no one in the property market doing that. Like if you can just see a load of properties, we've done it where swiping, but also a list view. And you can just, more, if you want to book 10 properties and they're all with different agents, you have to ring 10 different times or send 10 different emails and go back and forth. We do it all instant. We're, we're, we do the job. You just click them all and we send it off and they'll, they'll come back to you. We've also got machine learning technology coming into play where if you only like houses with they'll start understanding your habits. If you only like houses with big gardens or nice kitchens, it'll only show you the next house with big gardens or nice kitchens. So if we start really understanding what the customer wants and drive them better leads to the agents. Um, and so far it's been, it's been really great. We just want to make it instant and want to cater for what the next generation is. And they don't want to do all this long winded process and having to call and email and all that. People got lazy because of this one touch button. And so we've created that into the app or property searching. 
You're doing one of the hardest type of businesses, though, the marketplace business, right? So you've got the supply one side and you've got the customers the other, I guess. How, how have you managed to bring those two together? What, what, was, the, what was your process for that? Um, we realized, okay, because I get very excited when it comes to marketing and sometimes I have to hold myself back because um, otherwise I'll just go mad with it. Um, but a case, I think it's a case of we realized, okay, let's get the stock numbers up first. That's our shop window, the stock. People need to go in there and be able to find a property to buy or rent. So we've really focused heavily on agents um, to get their stock on. And then slowly but surely started introducing a bit of marketing on social media just to start driving traffic so they've got some stock to look at. And that's an ongoing process. Um, I think we always want more stock than customers. There will be a, there will come to a point where there's only that much stock in the UK. So when that number's there, it's going to pivot at that number. But the same with the other portals, then you start looking at Ireland or Scotland or Europe or America, that's when you can start really doing some exciting stuff with it. Yeah, I think some of the other property portals, sometimes I find I look at them just to see what the property values are in my area. They become like a research tool as well, right? It's, it's kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah, exactly. So we're really homing in on creating, making life for the customer who's looking for a place to live, uh, making their life quicker, easier and simpler. And also for the agent, providing them with the information they need and making them more agile. Because I think when a lot of the stuff comes to them from the other portals, they still got a lot of running around to do. And a lot, it's a lot of time waste. So we're trying to really like simplify that down, really. I, I'm, you've got a massive following on Instagram. You're you know, clearly a, a fan of marketing generally. Is there any, any tips or thoughts you have on marketing today that you think really work? Like social media influence, for example, is that, is that an area um, you believe in? Again, it's a case of who is your customer? Because if your customer is plus 60, like, social media is not really a place to be. Um, but a 20-year-old today will one day be a 60-year-old and where are they now? So you've got to look at what, who, what what will your customer also be? Where are they now? The ones that you want them to grow with you. So I think social media, online marketing is definitely a must-do. Um, depending on how sexy your business is, like selling clothes, it makes it so much easier because it's, it's, it's a sexy business to be in. Um, selling property and trying to get people to download the app is a bit more challenging. So you kind of have to just test different models. And we're in that testing phase at the moment, testing which methods work best. Um, so yeah, I definitely think social media, I think everyone knows it. it's a no brainer. It's a must right now in this market. And what do you think's made you so popular on, on platforms like Instagram? Um, I think people are interested in the family businesses. That's, that's definitely a big plus lifestyle, what I get up to. Um, and then Obviously, now people are interested in the investment side of things and what I'm up to next on the property side. Like, I have a lot, believe it or not, more people are interested in, uh, like you said, on your podcast about investment, getting investment, what can you do? Um, and then obviously there's a mix of property people as well in that as well. Um, so I think it's a combination of my family, our businesses we have, because they're very well known, lifestyle, um, and then obviously a bit of investment and property stuff. Yeah, I mean, my my take on it is you're very authentic in, in all your communications. I think that's something that our listeners could pick up on. I mean, you're you're definitely, you are you, right? I think a lot of people try to create an image that they're not. Um, I think what I, what I take from your communications is that you're, you're very genuine, which I think... Yeah, I think, I, think uh, I said this a while ago, I'm not, I've not really covered it on this. Like, everyone gets nervous that you're going to, when you go for investment, you're looking for business, you have to get up in a suit you got to look the part, you got to feel the part, and the person on the other side of the table is going to be in a suit, he's going to say these things, and it's going to be very corporate, 
everything's very corporate and very systemized. Like, we don't, people don't really operate like that, especially the next generation coming through. Like, I look, I'm dressing like this. Like, I'm not dressed very particularly smart. Um, and I, I'm like that in the office as well. Like, be approachable. Like, if someone wants to approach me and I'm sat in a suit with glasses on, lardy da with a fire, like, I'm not, it doesn't become approachable. Like, I want people, I want people to come here, sit next to me, I put my, I'll put that arm around them and just talk as a mate and say, let's try this, let's try that. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm not going to shout at you. I'm not going to, you're not, you, if you piss me off, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be straight up with you. But I want to be approachable. And I think the way we've done business so far is being approachable, being like having something, a common ground with your team of people around you uh, or potentially investors. Um, I think it's more about just being very approachable and like being down to earth because the minute you become very corporate, the minute the other person then shits themselves a little bit because they're not from, the young generation aren't familiar with that corporate background and they probably don't like it. Um, so I try and, and that's always been me. I've not adapted because that's what I feel like it is. I just, it's just been me and it kind of works for me. I say to my three-year-old all the time, don't ever change. And he promises me he won't. And I kind of feel like saying the same to you, Adam, don't ever change, you know, like I really like this. That you, 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 when I hear you talk, you're like, you, you are the future leadership uh, of, 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 of businesses. I mean, you already are a leader of business, but the concept of like what our leaders should look like. I love that kind of down to earth, not going to shout at you. Clearly you don't take, you know, you don't take bullshit and stuff like that. But you know, ultimately that kind of like you're there, you're just just another person and, and you're willing to help and listen. I think that's a really nice message as well for people that are making it or becoming successful to kind of keep that humbleness actually. Yeah. Um, Cause it's quite easy. I mean, if I, if I'd done what you'd done, I don't know if I'd be so humble, um, but it's nice that you are. And so don't ever change. Okay. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> I think, I think going forward for, you know, if, if, if people out there are looking to start a business and, and they're not sure what to do a lot of people don't have an idea um what, what do you what do you suggest young people do do you think going to university is a good idea for example and until they discover what they want or do you think it's better to go and work with someone and and, and who is doing something they love and learn or just start something any any views on this well what, what i would say is everyone's time's different like i might have started younger doesn't mean that because you're the same age as me it means you should be where i am right now in your life and i think people get very pressured by that like if you see your friend at 23 doing really well and you're 23 and you're still scrambling to find a job, like people get very nervous about that and get very insecure about that. But like everyone's got their own time. Like all, all the wealthy millionaires and billionaires of the world now, they've not all started at the same age. They've all, some started at 18, some started at 20, some started at 40, some started at 50. So you, your time will come. Um, and I think if you want to go to uni, like there's so many skills you learn from uni being independent, making your own decisions. These are all things you need in business anyway. Also, to the flip side of that, if you don't want to go to uni and you're going to get into work, like, great, like, give yourself a head start in, in whatever field you want to do. There's lots of, I meet, like, I meet family and friends of family and stuff like that, and, like, young cousins and stuff like that, and they're always like, I don't know what I want to do yet, I don't know what I want to do, I, I want to go into business, but I don't know what. It's like, okay, what's your interest? What do you like? What do you like looking at? I like sports. I like looking at influencers. Do some influence and marketing in the sports world. Like, just piece it together. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, okay, go into your next one that you're interested in. And it's just about testing different things. But people are so afraid of failure. And it really does hold people back. And don't be afraid if your friends are ahead of you in their timeline, in their, in their, in their career, than you are. Because your time will come. It's not a competition. Everyone's got their own path and their own time. Such wise words. And I hope my listeners pick up on this to take a bit of pressure off themselves. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Everyone's got a different stage. It's not it's not um, comparing yourself to someone else. It's just you comparing you to you, what you want. It's all in your own head. You, like you sit at night on your thoughts and it's only you and your mind speaking and it really fucking eats away at you. Like sometimes I think, like, I you know, like you, I growing up, I, I look at my father, what he's done with his business and it would eat away at me. It's like, shit, it's a lot to, it's a big, big shoes to fill that. And it does eat away at you. It's like, okay, you can either wallow up in your own shit and just feel sorry for yourself or give it a go and see what you can do. Um, and it's having that attitude as well, like, okay, don't give up, let's just keep going, keep going, the door will open eventually. And thankfully it did. I think the other thing you've said there, I don't want the audience to miss, because I think it's gold, is this concept of doing your hobby as a business, doing what you love as a business. I don't know why, maybe Picasso at one point, like, I really love painting, but, you know, I'm never going to make a living out of this, right? But I think doing your hobby as a living... I, I I would sit and talk to entrepreneurs like you all day long for free and love it. I don't care if I never make a single penny out of podcasting because I enjoy this experience, you know, like, and I think if people did that more and what you've just said there, I want people to pick up on that because it's, so I know there's people sitting there right now saying, I've got this, I love flowers and I've got this idea of doing this flower business, but there's no money in it, right? And they're missing something that you're highlighting that it's so important. It's about enjoying the journey. Yeah, exactly. Like if you like flowers, like go and be a florist for a little bit. Or if you don't want to be a florist, go and ask them if I can, you can do their social media for the flowers. Yeah. And like really make that impact and you'll realise, okay, yeah, you want to be a florist, you want to be social media, you want to do the marketing for it. Like Just because of the flowers doesn't mean that's your business, but all the things around that business, of different parts of that business, you'll, you'll pick up on something that you quite like and you'll realise very quickly, that's what I'm good at, that's what I want to do, that's what I really enjoy. And then you can imply, apply that social media, those marketing, those, all those different aspects into any business then. Um, so yeah, just test yourself out. Give yourself a shot. Find myself nodding at everything you're saying, Adam. Yeah. What was your school like? What was education like for you? Did you enjoy it? Was it was it useful? What, what do you feel about education today? Uh, <laughs> um, school. Um, I wasn't uh, the, the most well-behaved child at school. Um, I was a bit challenging. But that's fine. I don't mind that. I was cheeky. But I had, I had a way with the teachers. I would be in detention all the time. I'd be mischievous. I'd want to be the clown of the class. All those things. But I didn't really care. I really didn't care. Um, and it didn't bother me. Um, so, yeah, I had... But then at the same time, I had this way about myself with the teachers where they put me in detention and I'd make them laugh and joke and I'd get myself out of it. Um, so I was a bit cheeky with them, but it was uh, it was great. I, I really enjoyed school. I would do I would do it all over again. I really would. Um but no, I had a had a great time at school. Do you think it it um, the education piece? Did you go to university? I mean, you went to uh, Cheshire in, in your Chelsea. I've got down here. Do you went to university? Yeah, I went to uni and I dropped out. Oh. Uh, it was it wasn't for me. Um, I always wanted to go to uni just because you hear growing up, uni is great, fresh as week, there's party, there's blah blah blah, uh, meet loads of friends, all these things. Uh, and I went and I really enjoyed all those aspects of it but I never really I don't know something inside me I never really thought uh, I want to go and get a degree and do this I always don't know something inside me I knew I was going to do my own thing I was never going to let someone be in charge of me I was never going to have a boss um, so I, I always kind of I took it for granted and then didn't really take uni that seriously not in the education side uh, so I just bombed it off and uh, did my own thing well um, there's the world is littered of 
successful people that dropped out of university. I didn't go at all, so I I, uh, I concur. But it, you know, like you say, it all depends on people's stages. It links back to what you were saying earlier, doesn't it? Is different people have different different needs and different stages in their life. But if someone wants to be a, if someone wants to be a lawyer or a surgeon or a doctor, all those things, then yeah, hundred percent uni is great for you because yeah, you path. need to learn all these things. Totally. But if you want to be business, then you can learn a lot of aspects. Listen, uni is great. You become independent. You make friends. You become sociable. All these things you become, you manage your own time. You become disciplined with certain things. So it's great for those things to take in business life. But also, if you just face up in the deep end. You can also learn those things. So there's no right or wrong answer. No pushback on your family when you said I'm dropping out. They're like, good, come and come and work with us. That's good. That's good. My dad, my dad was thrilled because <laughs> he he never went. He never went to. He never went to college. Uh, he just straight working uh, for my my grandfather was the same with him. Uh, my dad was like, go and enjoy these experiences. Go and try it out. But my dad, when when we came home, uh, my dad was just laughing. He goes, I, "I knew you'd all come back home because I knew, like, just the way we are and uh, our thought process." He goes, "There's only a matter of time, but you've enjoyed yourself now. Let's get to work." <laughs> my mum, uh, when I said I wasn't going to university, kicked me out of home. So I, I had a different experience. My my parents were also entrepreneurs, but they didn't want that life for me. They saw that as quite a tough life, actually. Although I don't agree at all, but they saw it as they had it the hard way, and they wanted me to have something different um but i think hopefully i sat i feel like you know your your family's uh very forward thinking so i think a lot of people out there do struggle with this point though a lot of people do feel under pressure by their parents to go and do uni and so yeah. very- i think it's hard it's become a generational thing because our parents and grandparents the way the world was then is not the same now uh you've got online you've got social all these other things so setting your own business up today isn't as hard as it was when they when they were growing up because there's so many more tools to use the internet's great for this now um when our parents are growing up doing that they don't have the same privileges as we do now so and i think sometimes parents of that age demographic don't really fully understand the era we're in right now they don't understand social media as well as our own age demographic does so it's something, I think it's a bit of a mind process, a thought process of how they think and what they think it is. And it's like, it's not actually quite that, but yeah. Now, um, a lot of my listeners are in America. I've got a big listenership in Hong Kong. And, um, you know, in these markets, they don't mind talking about their wealth and success. But in Britain, we really are quite um, shy, I think. And, and we don't like to talk about our financial success. But we were Googling you. And it, the first thing that came up is um, net worth 1 billion. I mean, of course, forget the internet. It's always getting it wrong. But, you know, when you get titles like that, does, does, it, does it jar you? Do you feel uncomfortable if you, if you, for the people highlighting your success in a monetary way? I, I, I don't ever like talking about uh, wealth or value or anything like that. Um, yeah, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, I suppose. Um, it's not something I want to shout about. It's not something, okay, I might flaunt my life on Instagram a little bit, but I don't want to say that this cost me this much or that cost me that much. Um, but this makes other people feel shit um, and makes people feel insecure. Uh, and we've all been through a stage where we look at other people's Instagram or social media and like, Oh my god, I've got my life so shit from theirs. We all we all have those thought processes. Um, so yeah, it does make me feel a bit uncomfortable. Like everyone do your own thing, but also no, I won't even say it actually. No, uh, I think I know what you're going to say, and I, and, and I think also that one of the reasons I do this podcast show with with successful people is to show you know there's an image of what money is and what money is about, and there's almost a perception that if you've got money, you're bad. 
But actually, most of the people I know that have actually done quite well in life, it's because they're good. They looked after their people. They provided something that people need in the world that makes their lives better. And so I'm also, I enjoy the, the experience of sharing who people really are as opposed to what I think is clickbait online yeah. often to get traffic to you know whatever newspaper whatever media um, is trying to just frankly leverage you in your yeah. name in a way that they think appeals to people so i really i really appreciate someone like you adam coming on here and sharing who you really are which is frankly a very nice person down to earth honest authentic and i think these headlines need to be a bit frankly smashed because they're not the important things i think the lessons you've got the learnings you've had uh, far outweigh of course any 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 monetary tag that someone tries to give you but what do you think going forward is 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 going to happen in this kind of new COVID world? Do you, do you think? I mean, we all, we've all heard that COVID has just accelerated, frankly, things like the high street demise and stuff like that. Do do you think things like the high street can come back, or or it's pretty much over? What what do you see in the future? Do you do you think it's all going to be about online, or will uh, real um, life experiences come back? Well, I don't think it takes a scientist to realise even before COVID, people were questioning the high street whether it was dying already or not. I think last year probably COVID probably accelerated that process. Um, so that's that part. I also do think the way we're stuck at home at the moment, the way like you look at all these restaurants, you see so many new businesses come up, come around since COVID. Really thinking like, obviously we can't go to restaurants. A lot of restaurants are now being innovative, like you said before, of now sending home kits to your house so you can cook those dinners at your favorite restaurant in your own house. Um, there's also other services, not delivery, where they're giving you all the recipes and sending it to your home. There's so many different things. So, And I think the longer we're in this process, the more this habit's going to become a norm. Uh, and people are going to really enjoy Like, going to nightclubs and going to bars, like, it felt so long ago. And we've all got very accustomed to being at home, having a drink at home, uh, having fancy meals at home now, uh, where you would go out and do that. Um so as people's habits are changing, um, and I think online, especially on, that, on the food side of things, I think people, uh, is becoming really popular. So it's, it's, been, it's been good for a lot of people, uh, as bad as it is for, in terms of the, the virus itself and people falling ill and passing away. In terms of set, set, setting up new businesses, like, it's been great. Like I say to all the listeners listening now, like if you've not got a job or you've got a job and you're working from home, You've got so much more time than to do research while you're at home about something you potentially want to do. And what a perfect time for you to set that business up online. Because um, we're all at home, just either on Zoom or scrolling the internet and everything. So everyone, you know where all your demographic are right now. You know where all your customers are. They're all online, bored, not doing anything. It's another uh, very important uh, nugget of gold you just handed out there. I think it's... Um, like you say, it's it's a it's a terrible time. It is, and I it's it's uh, I'm unbelievable in many respects. But equally, I think it gives people a chance to make a change, start something fresh. And I see businesses that are starting up. I just invested in a business last week called Peas and Pod, who are doing incredible stuff. But they basically built a whole business around the problems that are happening at COVID, around home education and parents needing now to look after their kids at home more, giving them tools to do that. You know, tools that normally only teachers have. And, and and they've they've just done so well because they've they've adapted to the moment and 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 go ahead, go on ahead and the person behind that business actually owns a lot of nurseries in London and they struggled a bit because of all the rules government changes so she improvised and created this whole new business which is actually 10 times bigger than her core original business 
So, you know, to your point, Adam, quite right. I mean, people listening, I actually think there's no better time than now to start a business. And when I look at what you're doing with Move Street, you know, you can compete with the big boys because at the end of the day, it is, it is not about storefronts anymore, right? You know, if it was about storefronts, then maybe you need to open up a thousand storefronts to compete with whoever, right? But these days you can do it literally through, through, through technology and that for folks like you, young folks like you, I'm a bit older than you, there's a real opportunity, right? A real opportunity. 100%, 100%. I think, uh, now, don't forget, you know, all young people, I don't know, the age of people listening to this, 18 to 25, like, you know, you're the future of what your customer is. You know what they want. You know where you shop. You know where you look. You know your habits. You know where you hang out. Like, you have a lot of the answers already. It's just having something that they all want to look at and you create that. Mm. It's interesting. I I still think back to quotes of like Rockefeller and Henry Ford. A lot of people are like, oh, those guys have done it all already. There's no gaps in the market anymore. The railway's done. There's no gaps anymore, you know? And there's always gaps, right? You said it at the beginning of this podcast and uh, it's so true. It's so true. Adam, look, I'm conscious of time. You've given us an hour of your time. I've loved talking to you. I've personally learned a lot i hope my audience have enjoyed it as much as me but i want to thank you so much for taking the time thank you for having me uh and i hope uh even if one percent of my knowledge is useful um is one percent different to whoever is listening to the advice and uh thanks for the opportunity yeah well i I, i've learned a lot so if my listeners haven't then i i did so thank you adam so much i'm sure they will too amazing thank you so much Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Project podcast today. If you got any value from this podcast, then do feel free to give us a review and give us your feedback. And if you think anybody out there might enjoy this story of this real-life successful entrepreneur, then feel free to share. And of course, go and visit purposefulproject.com and join our mailing list at any point. Thanks again for listening.